Dimitri Bivol says that the next defense of his WBA World Light Heavyweight title is planned for April, and the two opponents he's targeting are Gilberto Ramirez and Badu Jack. And as you can see here from this Michael Benson tweet, he says that recent reports have suggested that Ramirez is trying to buy his way out of his top-ranked contract and that he was seen sat next to Eddie Hearn at ringside in Miami last Thursday. Now, this is pretty interesting because on the face of it, most of the action at light heavyweight is on ESPN and with top rank, which is where Ramirez is right now. I mean, they've got Artem Aterbiev, who has the WBC and IBF titles. Then you've got the vacant WBO, and I heard some people say there's some kind of tournament that Ramirez is going to be part of to find a new WBO light heavyweight champion. But if you look at the top 10 rankings, Ramirez is ranked number one with a, w, a WBO at light heavyweight. Then you've got these two Russians, and I have to admit, I've never seen them fight. Below them, you've got Alida Alvarez, Joe Smith Jr., Kovalev, Anthony Yard. So it's populated with a lot of ESPN top-ranked fighters. Anthony Yard, obviously, a Frank Warren fighter, not top rank, but top rank and Frank Warren work pretty closely together with Tyson Fury, etc. A few other fighters as well. And both Frank Warren and Bob Arum have got a very close, long-standing relationship with the WBO. So with all that in mind, it should be fairly simple, straightforward for Ramirez to get a shot at a WBO belt, right? The vacant belt. And maybe because of this tournament format, he won't get an immediate crack at it. Maybe he'll have to fight like, I don't know, a semi-final or something. Maybe he feels that's a bit long and he just wants an immediate straight crack at a world title. Well, you've got Artur Baturbiev. I mean, could he entice Baturbiev to take him on as a voluntary defense? I don't know where Ramirez is by way of his rankings with the IBF or the WBC. Obviously, Baturbiev's tied up with a, I think it's a mandatory, isn't it, in his next fight? Not sure what he's doing after that. He does have two belts. Maybe he's going to have back-to-back mandatories. So who knows what the situation really is here, but I just do find it a little curious that Ramirez would contemplate, you know, ending his top rank uh, ESPN contract and going over to the zone to fight Dmitry Bivol. Remember, the guys, again, I don't know these two Russians, so you'll have to forgive my ignorance on that. But the, the other guys here, like Alvarez, Smith Jr., Kovalev, surely these guys are more beatable at this stage than Dmitry Bivol. What do you guys think? So, yeah, interesting if this is actually true. And maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just uh, Gilberto Ramirez talking to Eddie Hearn about doing the Bivol fight, but not necessarily about joining Matchroom or DAZN. Maybe staying right where he is and doing some uh, business that way. Because ESPN and DAZN and Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, they do do business together. They have matched they're fighters against each other before. No problem at all. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Now, if this fight were to take place, Dimitri Bivol versus Gilberto Ramirez, it's a good fight. I think it's a fight which Dimitri Bivol would relish because he's kind of on his own over there on the zone with Matchroom at the moment in the light heavyweight division. There's not much going on on that particular network uh, by way of 175 pounds. So I'm sure Bivol would relish the opportunity to fight Gilberto Ramirez, who was obviously a champion at a lower weight. And it's a real good style matchup and a real good fight. I much prefer Dimitri Bivol versus Ramirez than Bivol versus Badu Jack. Not that Badu Jack is a bad fight for Dimitri Bivol, but Jack has seen better days, let's be real. He just had a real tough fight with Jean Pascal, two veterans. Pascal's seen better days himself. 
Gilberto Ramirez, much fresher, hasn't had all the wars that Badu Jack has had. And you have to imagine that he's on the up and up, whereas Badu Jack must be kind of on the slide a little bit. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Uh, how would the fight go between Bivo and Gilberto Ramirez? What move do you think Ramirez should make next? And what move do you think he will make next? Because they might not be the same thing. Let me know, people. It's happening. I'm out. I still see quite a few people claiming that Eddie Hearn ruined Kell Brook's career. Well, let's look at it. Brook won the IBF welterweight world title when he went over to America and beat Sean Porter. He then defended his belt against a series of disappointing opponents, the likes of Jojo Dan, Kevin Bizier, Frankie Gavin, etc. And when he saw his rival, Amir Khan, taking on Canelo Alvarez, Kel Brook felt a certain way about that. And he told Eddie Hearn, get me the Golovkin fight. Now, some time passed and Eddie Hearn finally managed to get Kel Brook the type of fight he'd been waiting for. A unification against Jesse Vargas, who was the WBO welterweight champion. But instead of going through with the Jesse Vargas unification, a chance to fight Golovkin popped up because the negotiations between Golovkin and Eubank Jr. came to a halt. And therefore, Eddie Hearn turned around to Brook and said, well, you know how you said you'd like to fight Golovkin? There's an opportunity right now for you to fight him. Do you want to take it? And Kell Brook said yes. That was Kell Brook's decision to turn down the Vargas unification at welterweight and step up two weight divisions to take on Golovkin at middleweight. Kell Brook has a team. I don't know if he's self-managed or whether he has a manager, but he's got a team. He's certainly got his trainer, Dominic Ingle. And they decided as a team that the extra risk of the Golovkin fight was worth the extra reward because the Golovkin fight was far more lucrative financially for Kell Brook than the Jesse Vargas unification. So they decided to go for the extra money and the extra glory of the Golovkin fight. Wasn't forced into it by Eddie Hearn. Now, some people say Hearn shouldn't have given him the opportunity. People, that doesn't make any sense. A promoter is there to present all the opportunities for his fighter, from the most lucrative and most dangerous all the way down to the least lucrative and least dangerous. That's what the promoter's there to do. You see, this is why there are different roles. There are managers, promoters, etc. There are some fights that your promoter is going to present to you and your manager says, nah, we're not taking that fight. So look, promoters like Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, Frank Warren, they do immoral things. There's no question about it. And when Eddie Hearn has done certain things in the past, I've criticized him for it. Like his virtue signaling about PED cheats. He has been a massive hypocrite over the years with regards to that. And I've done videos about it. But there's also this thing in boxing where people think it's cool. It makes them cool, trendy, or it makes them hardcore to criticize whoever's the most popular. But it doesn't. It just makes you an idiot, try hard, who's trying your best to seem like you're some type of outlaw or something and that people should listen to you because you go against the mainstream when actually you're just making a complete donut of yourself and you've got no respect for the truth and you're clearly outrageously biased and have no intention or perhaps even ability to be objective. When Eddie Hearn is due criticism, I'm the first one to step up and give him the criticism. 
But in this instance here with Kel Brook, Brook made them decisions. All Hearn did was present him with the opportunities. Brook is a grown man. Dominic Ingle's a grown man. If Brook has got a manager too, I don't know if it's Ingle, whoever they are, they're all grown men. <laughs> they, they chose to turn down the Vargas unification at welterweight and step up to middleweight to fight Triple G. They chose that. So what, they've got no responsibility for their own actions at all. We, all of it has to be blamed on Eddie Hearn. How the hell does that make sense? This is ridiculous. On top of that, another aspect of Kell Brook's career is his lifestyle outside of the ring. Does Eddie Hearn control that too? I mean, we know some of the things that he's been involved in. He got stabbed in the leg and it's not difficult to find out what that was all about. Many of you know. He also was in a car crash. It's not difficult to find out what that was all about. Many of you know. There have been long, long time rumors that Kell Brook likes to party a lot. So he's responsible for his behavior with regards to that. I mean, I've heard things about Kell Brook partying and not living a life outside the ring in the lead up to some of his biggest fights. So again, that's not Eddie Hearn's fault. That's Kell Brook's fault. As far as I can tell, the only person who has ruined Kell Brook's career is Kell Brook himself. That's as far as I can tell. <laughs> but again, it's trendy to just start bashing whoever's the most popular and whoever's the most mainstream. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Uh, Kell Brook's poor decision-making in terms of the fights that he's picked in the past and also his lifestyle outside of the ring. Let me know, people. What's happening? I'm out. Most people have understandably assumed that Tyson Fury is not serious about trying to knock Deontay Wilder out in this rematch and that it's just some misdirection from him. But in this tweet here, Tyson Fury says that he is solid as a rock, 19 stone, 270 pounds, coming for the bronze bomber. Now, if you look at these pictures on Tyson Fury's Instagram, he looks like he's put a lot of muscle on. I mean, he's not quite a bodybuilder or anything like that, but look at the size of his arm. I mean, I've watched Tyson Fury pretty much since the beginning of his career. I know what his body looks like, and he's looking muscular compared to the usual Tyson Fury. I personally am concerned about that in terms of Fury pulling out the best performance because even though it's muscle rather than fat, it's still going to slow you down. It's still going to make you that split second more cumbersome, and that's all it takes at the very highest levels in boxing, particularly heavyweight boxing, and particularly when you're going up against the puncher as destructive as Deontay Wilder. Obviously, Tyson Fury is a very, very mentally strong individual. He is not intimidated by Wilder in the least or any other heavyweight out there for that matter. I know some people are going to say he's turned down fights before and whatever. Yes, he has, but Tyson Fury is a businessman. I'm not condoning him turning down fights, but don't think that he's turning down fights because he's scared of anybody. Tyson Fury is not the scared type, <laughs> okay? People should have learned that by now. He's not the scared type. He's a businessman. He does understand his limitations, but he truly believes that he can go in there and do a much better job in the rematch against Wilder than he did in the first fight. And he wants to introduce an element of power. And again, based upon the muscle gain I'm seeing in these pictures, I'm going to say that Tyson Fury is actually serious about trying to knock Deontay Wilder out. 
That doesn't mean he's going to come out reckless necessarily, but perhaps he's looking to take Wilder into deep water and late in the fight, attempt to drown him. Some people have said that Tyson Fury might come in with a totally different game plan and he'll actually try and close down the distance and smother Deontay Wilder, take it to the inside and lean his weight and overpower Wilder on the inside. Could he do that? I mean, Tyson Fury is a maverick. He is a person who tends to do the unexpected a lot of the time. So maybe he will surprise us all with those type of tactics. I just suspect that those tactics would backfire in spectacular fashion. Deontay Wilder likes when big targets like Tyson Fury come straight at him. He thrives on that. What he doesn't thrive on is when anybody, whether they're a big target or a small target, starts moving around and giving him angles and not letting him get set to land his right hand. That's what he struggles with. That's what he's always struggled with. Go back and look at the Artis Bilka fight or the first Fury fight. He doesn't like movement. Now, if you're trying to come at him and you are attempting to smother him, yeah, you might be able to overpower him on the inside, but Tyson Fury is not exactly Joe Frazier, is he? You know, he doesn't have this great upper body movement coming forward where he can bob and weave, bob and weave and avoid all the long-range punches coming at him and then get on the inside. Tyson Fury moving forward is fairly cumbersome. He has been in the past anyway. Against Steve Cunningham, it was pretty unsophisticated when he was walking Cunningham down. Same thing in the Otto Wallen fight. It was relatively effective, of course, but pretty unsophisticated. And neither one of those guys can hit like Deontay Wilder. Neither one of those guys is that type of prolific and destructive puncher. So, I don't know, man. If Tyson Fury manages to employ those kind of tactics, use physical strength on the inside, rough Wilder up, and beat him that way, and he's successful with it, I have to hold my hands up and say I was dead wrong. <laughs> I was dead wrong. But um, I still feel like Fury's best bet is to just do the same as he did in the first fight, just be a bit sharper and a bit faster, and that way he can stay off the canvas and win. He's got top rank behind him. He's got ESPN behind him, Bob Arum. So in terms of the politics of the scoring, it should be, you know, perfectly fair. I don't see any issue. I mean, in the first fight, he would have won if he stayed on his feet in the 12th on the judges' scorecards. And that's without the backing of ESPN and Bob Arum, etc. So I just see him in a better, stronger situation in this rematch politically than he was in the first fight. I don't see him getting robbed. That's just my view. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about Tyson Fury's new muscular physique. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? And I've seen some of the uh, drills that he's doing with Javon Sugar Hill. Tyson Fury likes to fight out of the Philly shell quite a lot. Yeah, not always, but he does like to employ it, particularly when he's going back to the ropes. He likes to employ this Philly shell. He likes to flick punches out, you know, not commit. Because again, we're talking about fractions of a second at the elite level can make the difference between getting hit and not getting hit. Fractions of a second. So in these pad routines with Javon Sugar Hill, he's slightly more square on than we're used to seeing Tyson Fury. Fury's really, really side on a lot of the time. Sometimes gets in that Philly shell, makes it real difficult for you. He, he punches on the move. He doesn't hold his feet very often. 
that makes it difficult for Wilder to get set. And because Fury is defensively minded, you know, he's reading Deontay Wilder's body language. And when, when he's on the move, Wilder's going to telegraph the punches more so than when they're both stationary. Because Wilder's got to take a step forward first before he lets the right hand go. But if Fury decides to hold his feet more, it's going to be more difficult to read Deontay Wilder if Wilder's throwing that, that right hand nice and straight like he did against Luis Ortiz or like he did against Dominic Brazil to shot that ended it. So it's a very intriguing fight. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen here. I've been asked by a few people in my boxing group if it's possible to watch this fight in the UK if you don't have BT. Well, I don't have BT and I watched the first Wilder Fury fight uh, on my laptop. I just bought it as a standalone online pay-per-view from the BT website. They haven't advertised it as yet. They haven't put it up available for purchase as of yet. I'm going to assume that closer to the fight, BT will allow you to purchase it from their website and then you can watch it on your device of choice, be it a laptop uh, or some type of iPad or whatever, your phone, etc. Certainly Sky allow you to watch it on your phone. They've got a Sky box office app, which is where I, uh, well, I don't tend to watch it on my phone unless I'm on the, on the move, but they do have that with the Sky app. I'm going to assume BT might have a phone app as well, but they've certainly got the desktop app, well, the, the, the uh, option to purchase their pay-per-views and watch it on a laptop. Unless they've got rid of it, hopefully they haven't, or else I'm going to find it difficult to, <laughs> to watch this fight because I like watching the fights in the comfort of, of my own home. I don't like going to friends' houses and uh, you know bars or pubs or anything like that to watch these fights. I like watching them at home. So hopefully they still have the option to uh, to stream the fight via the BT website. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about all the points I've raised in this video. It's happening, I'm out. Andrew McCart, IFL TV and Association with MTK Global. I'm here in Sheffield for the public workout for Brook versus DeLuca. With me, I've got Jordan Gill. How are you, buddy? I'm really good, really good. How are you? I think the last time, good, mate. The last time I think I saw you was, was uh, Nottingham. Yeah. When you fought Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, that was the last time I saw you. Obviously, things didn't go to plan back yeah. then. Um, don't want to go back to that, but obviously, New Year, New Year sort of thing. How is yeah. 2020 looking for you? Yeah, it was a while ago now. It's looking good. I'm uh, ready, I'm ready for a big fight. And um, I obviously boxed uh, in September in Italy. I had a comeback fight then, and then I was looking to spring straight from that into a big fight in December. And uh, a lot of people don't know I was uh, diagnosed with a thyroid disease. Thyroid. Uh, yeah, yeah, thyroid disease, and um, it was a nightmare. So like, I would turned up to the gym. I was training hard. And like everything was so much harder than it should have been. I was like sweating um, during the night. My heart rate, I was doing 10 rounds sparring. My heart rate was going up past 220 beats per minute every single round. And so, um, you know, I went to the doctors, got a blood tests, and they said, um, you've got an overactive thyroid, you've got a thyroid disease. So um, I had to go for loads of tests and, and loads, of, loads of different things that I had to do. And uh, finally, I'm back on the straight and narrow. So um, they said I had subacute painless thyroiditis so no, i'm not gonna put that uh, in the title yeah no way I can. <laughs> no i don't think i could spell it i can just about <laughs> say it so uh, the thyroid went up 
then it went down under active then like, it's leveled out now but it's just taking so long and uh, it's been so frustrating for me because if any, anybody knows me knows that I'm a gym rat and actually kept me out of the gym since I'd, whilst it was overactive they wouldn't let me train because obviously if my heart rate's going past 220 they said I could have a uh, you know, uh, heart failure at any time so um, you know we see football players drop dead on the pitch that could have been me and uh, in the young, young Scottish kids, sorry, in fact there was a young Scottish kid a few years back that yeah. dropped dead with heart disease. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible, we see it, see it um, quite often and uh, you know that could have been me but well, it wasn't and uh, yeah thankfully so um, I think the plan is now Dave wants me to come back with an eight rounder and they're looking at end of March and then push straight into a big fight and uh, that's what I want hopefully get a big year I think when you got pulled off that fight in December there was there wasn't said anything about that, any disease or thyroid no, no, no. I, I assume most people thought it was like an injury or something that you yeah. had but Obviously it was obviously I, I think because it was it was <coughs> freshly diagnosed and we didn't know how long it was going to take or what whether I didn't at, when it was diagnosed I didn't even know if I'd ever be able to box again and uh, you know for someone like me who boxing I've dedicated my whole life to boxing it's it's everything to me so you know it would have been a nightmare and um, you know, it was just hard so I think until all the all the details that I had. Um, in my hand and, and knowing how long it would take me to get ready we didn't really announce it didn't say anything to anyone so um, as far as everybody else knew I was just injured or just out of a fight and, and would probably push on this year but luckily I can push on this year Everything 100%, everything's 100% now fit. yeah fighting fit I got my brain scan on Monday <laughs> hopefully they find it and um, yeah it should be fine should be fine and firing to go now I must admit like You've not had the best of luck because in Nottingham as well after the Tinoco fight, yeah. like you were spewing up and yeah, you, you, went at the bit, you went 100% for that fight. I, 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 I wasn't allowed in the changing room but I had a wee peek in and I did see you vomiting yeah. sort of thing. So I just going back to that fight, was it tough for you to take that fight knowing that you weren't well going into it? Or yeah. what was, what was, the, what was the, the sort of your mindset going into that fight? The thing is, is I'm a fighter and any fighter will tell you if you don't feel 100% on the day, like even if you don't feel 50% you tell yourself that yeah alright and that nobody warms up like taking body shots or like or doing things like that so there was no way of me knowing how bad I was until I got in that ring and then as soon as I got in that ring like the split time like I was getting caught with jabs which I'd never get caught within, the within 30 seconds I was getting caught and like my time and everything and my whole everything was off and obviously I couldn't take a body shot I've never been dropped in my whole life a headshot ever and uh, I've still not been dropped with a headshot but I mean body shots usually these shots you walk through and I've walked through walls mm -hmm. and uh, when the resistance isn't there it's not there and there's nothing you can do about it and it was it for me tough pill to swallow because I, I was never going to pull out because I was top of the bill live on Sky Sports I just had a big fight in Nottingham won, won that title and uh, I wanted to build the momentum mm -hmm. I want everybody to know my name and uh, it's a lesson learned because I know now um, I thought you know all day you feel ill you're not well you're on the toilet you're being sick this and that uh, you know you're not 100% or not even 50% and you tell yourself I'll be right once I'm in there I'll be right wait till I got them gloves and I'll be fine I'm going to knock this, this, this yeah. The headline is at the top of the bill on Sky Sports. If yeah. You put out the, uh, at yeah. the 11th hour, it's like the whole show's maybe have gone down the pants. There's a lot yeah, of pressure on you as a fighter, not just as a fighter because you're a fighting man, but the letdown of all the fans, they're in the stadium, they're waiting for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. I've got hundreds of people come, mm -hmm. like travelling two hours to see me, and uh, you don't want to let people down. And um, if, if I knew what I knew, like now, then, then I wouldn't have fought. 
um, and I would have just cancelled it and then got on to another show and then they're like, who knows I might have been even fighting for a world title now because um, I, was, I, was, I was heading that way but you know you learn you move on I'm not, it's not like I'm 30 years old and I'm, I'm scratching around for a fight now I'm, I'm 25 I'm still young I've got I, I'm looking forward to proving that it was an off night and anybody that knows knows I weren't right um, oh yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I don't know if it's dead in the water now, but obviously Cordina's beat him at upper upper weight at Super Feather. But you know, that's a fight that I'd like. No problem. Um, I just want the big fights. Um, so obviously Dave wants me to have this eight rounder. Um, we'll do. We'll do it. We'll get the rust off. Um, obviously my body has been up and down all the time. So like now I'm training. I'm feeling good. I, it makes me realise like how bad I did feel and how long like I don't know how long I wasn't right for and I know I had that comeback fight in September but you know even before that fight like my, my heart rate was racing before that fight and, and obviously I didn't know why but now we know you've got a smile on your face you yeah training must be going well yeah it's going really well I've not started sparring yet but you know I'm into probably my fifth week of training now um, I'm in a good place I'm fit I'm firing and um, I, I can't wait to start sparring that's the next step probably next week um, and then just get a fight because I just want a big fight I think the big fight you wanted if you got through Tinoco in Nottingham was Can Jan Kanzu, yeah, Kanzu, yeah, yeah, Kanzu, yeah. yeah. I called his name out in there when I boxing Peter obviously asked that fight because he's just, just uh -huh. become the WBA world champion obviously he's had some really good defences since so um, he's proven himself a worthwhile champion no no I mean I, yeah, I, I, right now I don't think I'm in a position to call him out but um, hopefully by the end of the year I will be and, and I know that nothing comes without working for it so I, I think the, the, the difference between uh, ambition and greed is someone that's greedy doesn't is not willing to work for it. Uh, I'm willing to work for it. Hey, Alma, you all right? Yeah, good. Thank you. And you? So are you? No, not tomorrow. I'm too fat at the moment. You are? I'm too fat. Too fat? Yeah. He's saying it, not me. <laughs> See you later. Um, yeah, so I think I'm willing to, to, to have these fights and get back up there, mate. Um, and you know, March is the start, so get an eight rounder, then straight to a big fight, 10, 12 rounder. That's what I mean, so um, eight rounder, you're going to go straight into a big fight, a big name. Yeah, after that. Yeah, do an eight rounder, get get straight back in there at a decent level, um, get the rust off and then straight into a big a big fight, um, whether it's uh, domestically or European level, uh, that's, that's what I want. I mean, I don't know the situation with the European title at the moment, um, I understand that uh, Spanish guy is champion, um, I don't, I, I heard Gavin McDonald's fighting for it, um, maybe in May, um, but who knows what situation is going to be by the middle of the year. If I get an eight round and then a, a championship fight, and then maybe that might be might be open to to fight for. So, you know, win three fights by the end of the summer, I could be European champion. But I've just got to go in and win. And if I don't win the eight rounder, I'm not going to get a fight for the European, am I? So I'll make sure that I'm 100. percent I'll make sure that I'm uh, firing all cylinders and make sure that I don't take anyone lightly and, and, and get there and do the, do the business. How do you stay so so positive? Since I've started talking to you, you've had a smile on your face while you're talking. But after Nottingham, obviously coming back we warm up fight and then pulling out of your fight in December with thyroid disease. I mean how do you keep that smile on your face coming into twenty twenty? Is it has it been hard for you or has it been easy? How, how it's been hard, it's been hard but yeah, I think I don't know, I just want it. I just want it so bad. And I think 
for me having that time off because after that September fight I was I wanted it so bad in, in December I wanted a big fight I was promised a big fight in December and when it's taken away from you because this thyroid disease is not nothing that I've done to cause it it's an autoimmune disease so it's hereditary and it comes in a family so it's, it's out of my hands and it's happened to me but in a way I feel like it might be a blessing because I've, it's taken me out of boxing and I've not been able to train it's like starving somebody and I realise how much I need boxing and um, I just can't wait to crack on you know every every part of my life is, is sorted out I'm married now I got married in December um, got thank you got um, my, my life sorted but all the only thing that's missing is boxing now and, and these big fights and this little what I want to achieve so um, I'm, I'm excited to go in and prove I know how good I am I know what I do in the gym um, I know the guys that I've sparred and what I, what I can do so I just I'm excited to prove it and I think the, the smile that I've got on my face is because is I'm so excited to prove it and so excited to have a good year and because um, I need it I, I really need it and uh, you're going to see the best of me this year because I've not felt this good for a long time whether it's the thyroid disease that or this I don't know what's happened but it's something's clicked now and, and I'm, I'm on the ball as they say but you said the European title this summer what are you hoping for the, the end of this year then maybe this time next year I'm sitting down with you again what are you hoping for to talk about uh, this time next year what I want is if I was to get a world title shot what I'd like is for the media or people in boxing when you, when you talk about boxing Twitter for not everybody to say oh he's, that's a disgrace how come he's got a world title fight I want to be in the mix there mm. so like top 10 thinking you know what he deserves it that's what I want to prove myself you don't want to be given a world title you no, want no, to no. fight the champion beat the yeah. champion take the belt off him, so yeah speak, I yeah. mean I want to be I want to prove myself top of the domestic obviously if I get European title you need top 10 in, in the world aren't you but I want to any I'll, champions you've got your mind on I don't care nah. honestly I don't care <laughs> um, I just want to prove myself worthy and, and uh, this year I will Stuff goes on. I won't keep you much longer. No, honestly, thank you, mate. So happy to see you back myself. Uh, you. You've got a smile on your face. I mean, I've, you've got a smile on my face just because you seem so happy. So it makes me happy. But good luck with the rest of, uh, the rest of this year. Hopefully, I'll see you in March for your fight. Uh, and good luck, yeah. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks you, my mate. man. Thank you. Cheers. Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here in Sherfield, delighted to be joined by Hopi Price. Hopi, I was at your debut back in Manchester in November. Very impressed. You went out to Saudi Arabia, done the business again. Before we talk about anything else, like how was Saudi for you? Um, Enjoy. Say, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable experience really to box and um, such a big event out there and it's done a lot for me. Profile as a professional boxer, obviously. I had a big name in the amateur game, but just turning over so young and now I think a lot of people are starting to get back and watch me journey in professionals so just happy to get going yeah. obviously 2020 this year hasn't started off well for you I mean Dave Cole put out a tweet that you've injured yourself yeah. I don't know if you can do enlighten me yeah. a little bit more on what's well like happened. you say I was 
since Saturday, I just maybe took a week off Christmas, come back and I got literally ill straight away. I think everyone was getting ill, but I managed to fight that off and um, got back in the gym training and sparring and that. And um, supposed to box on, on this build of the week in, in Sheffield, so I was looking forward to it. I'm, I'm gutted that I'm not boxing. I saw quite a few What's tickets the injury, to if you don't mind me the injury. Uh, what I've done was, as I hit my elbow in sparring, mm -hmm. and um, I went and had an X-ray maybe two days ago, and they said that um, I've damaged the tissue in my elbow, and it's trapping a nerve, and it's just just sending very bad pain down all through my arm, especially to my wrist. So, if it was a little little niggle, I'd have probably been able to go through it. But I think at this stage in my career, I haven't been able to sleep, and so I wouldn't have had the right preparation to box on Saturday night. And I think, like you say, I'm, I'm, I'm only young, so there's no point in me taking a bigger risk and possibly yeah. injuring it worse and being out for maybe six months or a couple of months. If I injure it, it could be a permanent injury where I might as well just take a couple of weeks off, let it heal up, and I want to get back out in March. So I was going to ask, what, what's the time scale yeah. looking for this injury? Uh, they said, well, they said to have a, a week to two weeks off, right. not using it, so not punching, and then I'll be able to punch it again, it should be fine. So um, March, got, March isn't too bad. No, it's not it? too bad. We're going to Dubai next week on a training camp. Um, me, Jordan and Dave, so probably start using it probably back then and then when I come back from Dubai probably pick up and start sparring again and hopefully get on one of the bills in March, maybe March 7th, it's in Manchester, it's not too far, that'd be a good bill to get on. I'm sure Eddie can squeeze you on I'm that bill. I'm sure he can squeeze me on. <laughs> you better tell him now, tell it. Let's see, no, last time I sold quite a few tickets there last time as well and... Um, That's where you made your debut? Made my debut, put on two good performances, one in Manchester, one in Saudi, so I think, I think I'll, be, I'll be ready for March 7th. I mean, as a, as a, what are you, 19? 19. Still, still 19, yeah. 19, I mean, yeah. you're so young. What you hope, like, normally with young kids coming through, like they get a fight, eight March, fight April, fight yeah. May, fight June, yeah. July. Are you hoping for that? Uh, Injury free, maybe March, get back out in April, yeah. and in the summer? I'm ready to fight whenever me, whenever mm. whenever Eddie and Dave says uh, I'm good to go, it's, it's really what I love to do. It, it, to me, it's what, what I was born to do, really, mm. is to fight. But I've got to understand that. I need the time in the gym to learn. I think sometimes just going and sparring, right? Been sparring with Kid Galahad, the top pros, and went over to America and sparred a lot of top pros up there. I think sometimes I'm learning just as much sparring these top level pros mm. as I am fighting, but it's still good to get the fight. So I want to be busy, yeah, this year and, and make a good name for myself in, in professional boxing, but I think I still need the time in the gym to, to do other things also. I think I read some of it. Billy Joe Saunders saying that you're the next best thing, and all these other guys are saying you're the next best thing. Do you feel the pressure of that when people are saying this about you? Not really. I think there's got to be a reason they're all saying it. So that's that's the way I look at it. Um, I think when you look at, they're all looking, especially our community. I think a lot of the young boys never used to stick on and go through. And mm. now Billy Joe's obviously is at the top of the sport. Tyson's in a massive fight in two weeks against Wilder. Mm -hmm. So. I think they're sort of looking at us and we've won all the titles as, as juniors and all through the amateur. And I think they're sort of just trying to give us a bit of bit of inspiration. Hopefully we can go on and do the same thing. I'm confident that I can be the next one to go on and then be world champion and do what they're doing, multi-weight divisions and all Multi that. They're not well, Billy Joe's. Billy Joe, not Tyson Cart, but, but Billy Joe's Joe. won, Billy Joe's won two weights and um, I'm sure a big fight with Canelo, I think that's the one everyone wants to see really, Billy Joe, Canelo or, or Callum Smith. And, out there at the minute, I think he's the only man I can see causing a threat to Canelo. Mm -hmm. He's the only man I can see beating him at the minute. I think he's just got the style to do it. I think there's a reason Canelo don't want to fight him. And I think I think Billy Joe could beat Canelo Alvarez. Well, that's a perfect way to end this interview. Hope you, Thank hope you very you, much. Andrew heals up quick Thanks and uh, enjoy Dubai. You will. And uh, hopefully I'll see you out in March. Well, Thanks so much. See you the weekend. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> see you Cheers, later, buddy. Bro. Thank you.
This is Andy Perawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Williams here in Sheffield. Liam, firstly, how are you? I'm very good, thanks mate. It's good, good to hear. Now, let's start off with yourself. I've done a couple of interviews today and spoke about the card, but let's start off with yourself. And Obviously, last time out, you fought Alantis Fox and stopped him in some fashion. Since then, obviously, everybody was <laughs> under the assumption he was, going, he was a WBO final eliminator. After the fight, the WBO came out and said that it wasn't. What's your understanding of the situation? How does the land lie with the, the entire situation? Do you know what? I don't know. Your, your idea is probably as good as mine, but I was fully uh, under the impression that it was a final eliminator. And after the fight, obviously, I'm not sure if you've seen the tweets or the whatever it was come out to borrow, um, that it wasn't. And although they said if uh, Mungia didn't want the fight with Andrade, But uh, I don't know if the, the ropes are going to fall on. Uh, yeah, if Mungia doesn't want to fight with Andrade, that I would be made mandatory. So that's just kind of where we're at right now. Obviously, you got uh, Andrade boxed last Thursday in Miami and looked okay. Nothing, nothing spectacular. He had a good win, but his performance weren't the best. I believe he can box a lot better. Uh, He's probably a little bit big for 160 now, if, I, if you ask me, he, he does seem big and I don't know if he struggles at the weight, but he seems to be calling on a fight with uh, Billy Joel quite a lot and it seems that he wants to move up to 168, 168 and take that fight. So if that is the case, I'll probably get the, the Mungia fight for, for the title. So I haven't really heard too much about it, but I'm, I'm pretty certain we should have news very soon you know, Venus has been a week tomorrow since he's boxed and, you know, time is ticking on now. We, we need to know what's happening. We will come on to that possible fight in, in a second, but just to stick with the situation around the Atlantis Fox win, when you found out that it wasn't a final eliminator in the end, what was your reaction and how long did it take until people started to talk to you about how everything was kind of unfolding? I was, I was pissed off, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, that was my big... That, you know, I'm gonna have more opportunities. Don't get me wrong, but that was my—I win that fight, and I'm fighting for a world title next. Whereas, I believe I, I believe I should fight for a world title next anyway, regardless, because I just feel like I've earned my shot now, and um, they need to make that happen. So it's one of them. But yeah, as I said, I was—I was pissed off and a bit disappointed, disheartened. But you can't—you can't stay down for too long. You have to pick yourself back up. I only had two weeks off the gym straight back in and I'm I'm waiting on that call this um, you know let's just get it on with one of the champions now you mentioned that there's obviously the possibility that if Andrade moves up the title becomes vacant and you could face Harmin Munguia is there that understanding that it is going to happen provided Demetrius does move up there's no actual confirmation of that but it's it's just um, it goes without saying really number one and two so I believe me and him should fight for it if he wants to fight because I've seen his last couple of fights and he's getting exposed you know and I, I think somebody like myself who's just as game as he is probably punches harder than him I, I think he's only ending one way because he swings his chins up in the air and like I said I believe it's going to end one way and that's him you know with his back on the canvas When can we expect to hear news about the next step for yourself and when we will see you back in the ring then? Mm. 
I'm just I'm just waiting day by day now, and um, you know I just want to know soon as because I'm still in the gym working away, training twice a day, um, and it's only so much you can do and only so much you can focus with not having a date, you know, because if I'm I'm laying in my flat, I go back to my flat after training, I'm very tired, I'm starving, I might not be fighting for, for two, three, four months, like you know I'm. I'm gonna if I want to go out and have a big meal. I'm gonna go and have it, you know. Um, I won't go and eat a lot of crap, but it's just a case of, you know, when you got a date and when you when you're fully focused, uh, you you've got a vision and you know exactly where you're going, which which I haven't got right now, so I could do with that. And obviously, you mentioned Demetrius Andrade possibly moving up. How do you think he would fare against Billy Joe? It's a good fight, you know. It's a good. It's two southpaws, two technical southpaws. I, I, I do believe Billy Joe beats him. Billy Joe's class, uh, very, very good southpaw, and I've, I, you know, I've shared rounds with him, so I know just how good he is. And probably a little bit biased on the other hand as well because he is a friend of mine. And but yeah, it'll be a good fight. And but I do expect Billy Joe to, to be the victor. There's also a lot of talk about. Billy Joe possibly facing Canelo. How do you think Billy Joe would fare, fare against Canelo if that fight was to be made? Let's be honest, Canelo's going to be a difficult fight for anyone, um, even at higher weights. So, Billy being for a serious fight, but Billy on his A game and, you know, coming in, like, let's, let's just say Billy Joe coming in the kind of form that he fought uh, David Lemieux. If he comes into that kind of form, he's going to cause anybody in the game problems. And you know Canelo included, so it's one of them. I hope he does get the fight, you know, because you know Billy's Billy's been around for a long time now. He's two two weight world champion, but he hasn't had he hasn't quite got them breakout fights where you know he's fought an elite fight on a massive massive stage. And I I fully I, I think he fully deserves that. Let's just move away from the middleweights, super middleweights, divisions, and on to Saturday night. Obviously, a couple of your campmates will be entering the ring. Carl Brook returns for the first time in 14 months. How has he been looking in camp? Have you seen any rustiness, etc.? No, do you know what? I was just explaining to someone else just now, and it seems like he's got the bit back between his teeth. And he's, he's light, he's good on the weight. He's lighter now than what he would be this far away if he was making 147. And, you know, Believe it or not, that, that is the truth. You know, he's uh, he's in great form. He's been performing. I've been. We've obviously trained alongside each other for weeks, but uh, even when he's sparring stuff, I've, I've hung around behind and and watched. And you know, he seems on great form to me. So I, I don't see anything other than a, a Kelbrook win. And hopefully, he's going to get in good fashion as well. You can't write this other guy off because you know he's quality and and he looks a very solid 154 as well. So. Uh, it's going to be a good fight, but I fully believe Kel's going to win. Kel's obviously been after a big fight ever since his last battle against Michael Zarafa. For whatever reason, it hasn't materialised as of yet. Have you seen any sense of frustration or anything in Kel? Uh, sense that, you know, why has that fight not happened for him? Have you seen anything different in him? Not, not really, because outside of the gym, I don't spend a massive amount of time with Kel. Sometimes you go for a coffee and whatever else, but... <clears throat> You know, Kel's a family man, and he does his training. He goes home, and you know, does his thing, and lives his his family life. But in the gym, he comes in. He's always in good spirits, and we always have a good laugh and a joke. Uh, 
yeah, he seems in very good spirits. So he's not he's not letting it get to him too much. I don't believe. And just give me a prediction, a breakdown of the Deluca fight for Cal on Saturday night. I think um, I think Deluca is going to be. I think he's probably going to be well in the fight for the first four to six rounds, and I believe as long as Kells still got in competition what what we all know that he's got and and he's had, then Kells starts to break him down and stops him within eight to ten rounds. I mean, obviously, another one of your campmates, Kid Galad, fights on the card in the IBF final eliminator. How's Kid been looking in the camp, given the, the frustrations on the back of the Josh Warrington defeat? Do you know what uh, Barry? Do, Barry doesn't get frustrated. He really does. He's one of these people who he's the most mentally strong person I've ever come across, um, and on art, and he's just like nothing gets to him. He's he's quite cold actually, Barry. Like sometimes I just think that that man's gone to heart. You know, he just nothing affects him. He's like you see a, you see a serial killer in a film, and like constantly just straight face, no emotion. That's Barry for you, like. Even if he was pissed off, you wouldn't know any because he doesn't show nothing. But uh, he's looking fantastic as always. I've never, I've never really seen Barry have an off day in the gym. Very rarely, and he's he's on great form. And again, I think he's definitely going to come come away with a win. And I don't know, maybe if I had a if I had a bet, mouse, and I'd probably say points win for Barry, not because he's not good enough to stop him, but I just think this kid that he's fighting. This man that he's fighting, he's he's very tough and he's very game, and he's he's got a lot he's got a lot in his own arsenal, you know. So uh, we'll see, but I fully believe Barry's going to win again, and you know, put on a fantastic boxing display. A final thing on your camp, I just wanted to get your thoughts on. Obviously, recently it came out that Ivan Garbu had an adverse finding found in one of his tests. Uh, from the WBC Clean Boxing Program. I know over social media you was a defendant of the fact you didn't want to get your name kind of strung along with it and you didn't want to have your own name yeah. tagged with it. What's your understanding of the situation and how frustrating a period has it been for you for anybody who's kind of tried to associate your name with what's gone on? Yeah, do you know what? I don't, I've, not, I've not really spoke to him in depth about it. I've not, I've not spoke to Dom in depth about it. I don't know the situation, so I can't really comment. But I was just defending on, um, you know, people people tagging all the lads from the gym and stuff, saying, "Fucking Ingle Pringles, fucking the Juicers Gym, all this fucking bollocks." And I don't want to get my name, you know, I don't want these people. I've been on a great run recently and uh, for the last eight months, and you know, I've been on that good run through through very hard work and and a lot of dedication. I've taken myself away from family and friends and. I'm living away from home, so I don't kind of want people. Most any anybody who really matters knows the crack anyway, and um, I just want I just w- wouldn't like to, to have people thinking I'm a cheat because you know I'm I'm fucking I'm on it. I'm you know I dig in day in day out and uh, I'm 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 making it happen for myself. I'm no I'm not looking to cut any corners. Finally, if I do let you shoot off because I know everybody's left you from the camp uh, about two weeks away now from Wilder Fury 2 just break that down for me Liam how do you see it playing out? I see uh, another another good fight obviously you've got always a very very dangerous uh, Deontay Wilder but Fury's just 
he's in a class of his own, really, isn't he, in terms of the heavyweights, to be honest. And uh, he's the heavyweight uh, Lomachenko, and he's you know he's got he's got all the moves, he's got all the tricks in the book, and uh, I fully believe as long as he can stay away from that big right hand and uh, he, he can quite easily win the fight but is a big if because to go 12 rounds and, and not get tagged by one right hand is a big ask you know um, but I believe and, and I hope that Fury does come away victorious because look where he's been through where the, you know the dark places he's come from and stuff he, he's, just a, he's just a fast fantastic uh, ambassador for boxing isn't he Perfectly put, Liam Williams, and we will leave it there. I appreciate your time, Liam, and I'll let you shoot off now to catch up with the rest of your camp. Yeah, I know they've all left you. So I've got my own car, and I, uh, <laughs> we've got we've got Lee the Leprechaun Reeves here. <laughs> He's keeping me company. He'll never leave my side because he's got to get back to my flat anyway. So uh, or a flat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, who makes the tea? He makes he, he makes us the hot chocolate. <laughs> we don't have our chocolate. It's lower fat our chocolate, it's not yeah, full it is, fat our chocolate. It's Cadbury's <laughs> highlights, so. Yeah, highlight. <laughs> we don't add milk because dairy is bad for you, okay? And uh, our flat. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> Liam, appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.